0: you experience
1: We're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 344, a.k.a. Year 7, Week 41, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC. And since this is your Clubhouse Club edition of the show, uh, join us there. The club is The Anarchist Experience, or you can at me and follow me at riches for rich R-I-C-H, the number 4, R-I-C-H. And I will hit the little button when I go live to give you the notification that we are indeed doing the show, um, usually try to get started around 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, yeah, that's, that's works for me here. Um, we're also walking into a daylight savings time shift. So for you, MC, a little bit different next week going forward for the, for the time being, um, right on that being said, what is going on with you this week? MC,
0: um, I watched some stuff about the, kyle rittenhouse
1: trial okay how much did you watch because there's hours and hours well eight hours a day all week i
0: I said about the trial not not the trial oh you know okay (laughs) i watched the actual
1: trial i'm like two days into the actual trial and i'll I'll try to catch up sometime
0: yeah so i i assumed that it wasn't going to be very interesting from the get-go because there's so much evidence saying that it was self-defense so okay um, so yeah, I was just like, you know, whatever. Um, and then, uh, so anyway, I was watching Tim Cast, the YouTube uh, channel and, and so the latest that I heard was that the, the prosecution seemed to be throwing the whole case. Okay. So it, they brought in, they brought in two people that were, you know, the prosecution brought these people up and the, and these two people basically said, Oh yeah, the guy that uh, Kyle shot threatened Kyle's life. Okay. And then they tried to spin it in a different way, saying he was talking about somebody else. And he, and he was like, "No. No, <laughs> that's not what okay. I said. said." I said he he threatened to kill them like right in front of, you know, five people or actually kill all five people. He said he said, "If if I catch any of you alone, I'll kill you." <laughs> so okay. It's like a threat, right?
1: <laughs> that, that may have been, I don't know which witness they're talking about. Like I said, I've, I've watched, I'm watching the actual trial and there's, mm-hmm. f- there's 40 hours worth of coverage. I've got like 16 in, like I've watched day one mm-hmm. and day two so far.
0: Um, yeah, so it's probably day three.
1: It must be because from what I have seen, right? I, I still think it's, it's a clear case of self-defense. Like that's my bias, my opinion going in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but from what I have seen, like this prosecutor is pretty darn good at his <laughs> job, right? Like you know, um, as far as presentation and polish is concerned, he seems to be a more effective communicator than the defense attorneys. Um, right. And there's there's been a few like objections that he has raised, on, you know, this is day one and day two, that were like overruled by the judge and objectively i go like that made sense to me right mm-hmm. it's he's you know and the look on his face when the judge overruled it, like what do you like how can you do how can you be doing this um mm-hmm. and so i don't know if i don't know if they're throwing it but it's it's one of those things to me where they can't it's hard to throw the case because what they have to do is get the facts out there and then spin the facts to meet their narrative right
0: that's about uh what the media does
1: <laughs> understood so they you know um they, they were the, one of the one of the like hard-hitting um question lines of questioning was uh with uh, richie mcginnis right i don't know if tim cast covered this so this was like day two stuff mm-hmm. and the prosecutor was, was putting a lot of pressure on the witness richie mcginnis um to get him to like describe the situation where uh, Rosenbaum was reaching for the gun in right. such a way that it doesn't seem like it, where it excuse me, where it does seem like Kyle Rittenhouse had other alternatives rather than shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Like his life was not being threatened at that time. And he was pushing it, you know, very, very hard. And you could see where he wanted to go, Mm-hmm. like what his, what the conclusion that he was drawing, which was upcoming. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he was doing a really good job of, you know, of the, of the phrasings of the questions and the, and the way that, uh, Richard McGinnis was answering the questions, you know, like he, you know, he said, um, in a previous interview, Richard McGinnis said like, uh, Rosenbaum was like falling over. Mm-hmm. And then, so he's questioning, so he saw on the stand, he's like, so you're saying he was fa- already falling, And Richard McGinnis goes, uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't say he was falling. He like lunged and just didn't. You know, it's unclear whether he could have caught himself. And prosecutor, can we play that footage? The evidence, whatever. And then you know, he's he's uh, like a couple days later, right after he's like on an interview, and he says like, yeah, no, he was falling already. And the prosecutor's like, so which one is it? Right? Like, which one do we believe? If you if you said two days after the event he was falling, and now you're saying he wasn't falling right? Which one, which one, which one is, is more credible. Right. And he goes, well, kind of thinking back on it, he would, you know, he wasn't really falling. He just kind of like lunged. He goes, so you're trying to tell me your recollection is more clear months after the fact than it was like three days after the fact, you know, like clearly your recollection is better closer to the event. And that's the, that's what we should go with. So he was, he was man. Again, I, I, I've, it's difficult for me to admit, right, but he was pretty crisp um with his questioning insofar as leading to the conclusion that he needed to draw to make it look sure. like it wasn't self defense.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know the uh, a case can be presented as if that's an you know one alternate reality, but the the it's it would never stand up against Uh, reasonable
1: doubt so well well, okay and but um i don't want i don't want to overstate what my knowledge is um reasonable doubt is not part of the burden of proof in this case reasonable doubt is whether or not the defendant likely committed the crime there's no dispute that he killed these people so it's not a. Re- it's not a. The as far as I know, the burden is not a reasonable doubt burden. It's a justified homicide burden, right? Which is which is a very narrow criteria um, of what of what the events need to take place for it to be justifiable homicide, and what the prosecution is trying to do is eliminate one of those criteria, right? And again, I I disagree with the conclusion, um, but I am fascinated. Um, at the process by which he is, you know, is, is eliminating this. Hmm. Right. So you have to, you know, like one of the main things is like, you have to be in imminent danger for your life. Right. Like if you don't shoot, you will die. Right. Right. And they put up the, the aerial footage of, you know, the, the quote unquote dead end where Kyle Rittenhouse stopped, turned and fired. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that aerial footage, you go like, well, if he hadn't stopped and turned. And he had just hung a left, right. He would be in wide open space, you know. Like he had an exit route there, if he wanted it, and he chose not to take it. He chose to stop, turn, and fire, right. And the defense goes, "Well, he's got no duty to retreat. He doesn't even have to take that exit if he doesn't want to." I go, oh, "Yeah, you're right. Fucking, if you guys chasing you, fucking turn and shoot him, right? Like I'm, I'm with you on that, uh, but I'm also not on the jury, right." And when the guy goes like he did not, when the prosecutor goes, he did not need to murder this guy because he could have hung a left and been in the clearing, right? Eh, you might jury members might think otherwise as the facts are being presented. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so for me the you know um, I was talking to somebody. I'm like it's amazing like how boring this is, right? <laughs> and how fucking fascinated I am. And just, I don't want to turn it off. Right. I had it in the background while I was you at work. You should have been a prosecutor. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> Defense attorney, maybe. Like I, 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 I had one customer a long time ago. Tell me I would make made it like a great jailhouse attorney when, when I eventually wound up in jail. Uh, yeah, maybe because just, I'm fascinated. Um, <laughs> But so, I, you know, I got it on in the background of work. I'm skipping through all the recesses and all the breaks and whatnot. And still, you know, I got to get work done so I'm not able to do the whole thing. But in an eight-hour workday where right, I try to watch eight hours worth of court footage is untenable. Um, but then I come home and I'm like, I, I don't, I haven't played a lot of video games. All weekend. I haven't done anything much. Like I still got a little bit of game time in. But I'm like, I'm so into that. I, I just want to put it back on. I just want to put it back on to catch up with the rest of it. Um, I'm like, I'm jonesing for day three. I just, cause I just didn't have the, the time to, to start that yet. And I got fucking day four and five to catch up on as well. At some point next week as the, you know, as this trial goes on, I'll try, I'll do my best to keep up with it. Just, just because of how, you know, how interested I am, despite the absolute dryness of the whole thing. Right. And then there was, you know, the, it, it seems like a bias from the beginning Right, because the judge, um, right from the start, goes like, "You can't call um, the people who were shot, killed, or maimed. You cannot refer to them in court as the victim." Right, right. They, they, are rioters, they're looters, you know, they're they're protesters, but they are not victims. Right, like that's off the table uh, in the court. And the other thing that's apparently off the table from, from uh, some of the decisions that were made is like you cannot refer to, to the people that Kyle were with um, as like militia. Like they were not the militia. So, so you've got these, you know, normal terminology. Like what the, the guy got shot. How is he not the victim? How is he not a shooting victim? You can't say that, right? And you got all this video footage. Like, oh, the militia's over here. And they're like not allowed to play the, the audio of that. <laughs> uh, right, it's it's off the table. Like it pisses the prosecutor off. The judge has his reasons, and that's you know, it's like. But judge, this is this is part of the case. Judge, like, nope, can't say it. Can't you can't use those terms. You got the one jury guy who like got kicked off for making a joke, um, about the prior shooting. So you know, and one of the things that you know, the the judge is clear about in a lot of the decisions that he's making. Is he's like this? Is you know there there has to be confidence in the decision, right? However, however the, the the jury votes, right? The public must be confident that there was no screw up because the eyes of the nation are up on us, and they're they're right. He's right, right? Because <laughs> I'm interested, and there's nothing to do with me at all. Um, <laughs> but it's just you know, it's just it's just fascinating how. It's you know you said the uh, Tim Pool thinks the prosecution is throwing it. I think they have an uphill battle, right? Because sure. vast majority, it, it looks like it looks like self defense, smells like self defense. The judge, you know, seems to be making decisions that are uh, make it prohibitively difficult for the prosecutor to to uh, bring their case to the conclusion that they're trying to conclude to, right? But unreasonably so. Right, like the the, the 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 language that you're not allowed to use, and and so on. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So this guy was talking to this guy. Objection! That's that's hearsay, Your Honor. Well, let them let them finish. I'll be, no, I want to hear the answer to this. You know, <laughs> come on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously you know it's obviously uh should be a sustained objection. Uh, but yeah. So just I'm I'm fascinated by it. I can't I can't get enough. And but that's where I'm at. But I I you know having seen all the footage that came out on the internet ahead of time, like he should be, he should be, uh, acquitted, found, not guilty, found innocent, whatever. Um, the other weird thing is right. Like this came up, you know, on the internets and I don't necessarily have a problem with it because it was a quote. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't know if I would have done it, uh, from the defense side of things. um, just, you know, as far as getting sympathy for the defendant, right? But during his opening arguments, uh, his, the defense attorney drops the N-word twice while <laughs> quoting Joseph Rosenbaum, right? Doesn't say, like, you know, he's he's his words were this, and I'm not going to say this one because it's obviously offensive, right? And, you know, the N-word, and everyone says it in their own head, like Louis C.K. says, right? You, you make other people say it in their own head, um, which is worse than actually saying it, but whatever. Uh, but he just drops the N word right at the beginning of opening statements, uh, and even opening statements was a weird thing because uh, the prosecutor objected, like saying, "Like, hey, Your Honor, his opening, the defense's opening statement appears to be making his case already." Right? He's like, he's showing all this video footage, right? That is. Building the defense, and I could have shown all that in my opening statement, but I thought opening statements was to explain to the jury what is to come, right? Not actually making your defense. And the judge goes, ah, "It's okay, well, you know." <laughs> <laughs> so part, so rather than showing all this video footage, like the defense's opening statement is basically, "Here's a still picture of the attack. Here's another still picture. We're going to get to the video during the actual trial." But here, here's where uh, Huber attempted to decapitate my client, right, with his <laughs> skateboard. I go, well, that's a bit hyperbolic, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, is, is it technically possible? Maybe. If I'm the, <laughs> if I'm the jury and they're like, oh, he, he's, you know, attempted decapitation with skateboard, <laughs> I might, you know, I might question the motives of that individual. Like, I don't know, you know. Clearly, I'm not the professional, but I can speak from a layman's perspective. Like, eh. You're you're being a bit dramatic. What was it really? You know, when I hear stuff like that, so I don't. You know, like I said, the 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 prosecutor, clean, crisp, to the point. Uh, the defense attorney, it, it could be just the nature of what you have to do as the defense attorney, um, but seem to be not as not as crisp as the 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 the, uh, the prosecutor in this case. Like he's got, you know, he's he's, I don't know how to put it. He just not as polished, that's a good word, not as polished as the prosecutor. Like the sure. prosecutor well polished, right? Everything lined up, got the ducks in a row, knows where to put the, you know, like roll it back 10 seconds, okay, good, pause, pause it right there, right there, right there, right there. That's what I want to see. You know, and he just, he's on point. Um, at least for the first few days, first two days. So, I, you know, I I haven't seen the Tim Pool um, show that you have. I
0: I think your probably your analysis is probably a little bit more um, neutral or unbiased, and uh, and Timpo is just seeing what he wanted to see, and he's also hyping it up because he's like, well, Tim originally thought that Kyle was going to go to prison, and now he's like, no, he's gonna he's gonna get away with it or not? He didn't use those words. He said okay. he's, he's gonna he's gonna walk. He's gonna walk, and, and he's he's making like a really big. Uh, uh, exaggeration about it, right? So, okay. I like um, to think I'm then, fair and neutral. Yes. And then he also was bringing up the idea that, well, if Kyle, you know, the first couple of days or something, he was bringing up the idea, well, if there's a, if Kyle walks, then there's going to be riots. That's right? possible. And that's, and that's, that's something that the media would also say because, well, it gets media attention when you say there's going to be riots if he walks. Yeah. And that makes riots happen. So. Yeah it really sucks because you know he's falling into the same trap as mainstream media because he's a media person now you know yep. it's like he's not just a normal person and uh so anyway i, I just don't like that kind of language um you should kind of like if you don't want a riot to happen um then you shouldn't hype that that, that idea up you know and yep. so
1: yeah, and I like I said, I I I try to be neutral when observing these things, right? Um, because that's the the fairest way to do it, right? Like I I know what my personal bias is. I th- I you know I have prejudged he is not guilty, um, yeah. from from the video footage that I've seen, um, so far, right? Uh, apparently the, the FBI found some footage. Like that was another big conspiracy thing. The FBI found footage. Right. What right. previously <laughs> lost is now being shown in court. Finally. <laughs> Where did this come from? They found it, uh, you know. So, yeah. So I I I know what my prejudice is, um, and you know, as far as the riots are concerned, they could very well riot because in the media, right? The the media has already dubbed him to be a guilty white nationalist militia member, right? Hell bent <laughs> on shooting people at a peaceful protest, right? Like that's right. that's the way the left has spun it. Um, right. there were even complaints like there's only one minority on the jury right okay. like what well, how can this be fair and well well he's he's a, he's a white defendant with three white you know victims um during during a uh a you know a protest but like where there wasn't a black dude involved right, right. so like. White judge, white prosecutor, white defendant, all you know, mostly white jury. Like, how can he possibly? How can this possibly be fair? It's like, well, because the three honestly, guys you shot were white. I
0: wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't care if if every single member of, of the jury was black.
1: Well, it shouldn't matter,
0: right? Yeah,
1: because he's innocent. <laughs> 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 there's,
0: there's no way a, any jury yeah. that sees all the evidence uh, is going to be like. Oh yeah, he's he's a murderer. Like
1: yeah, <laughs> well,
0: so ridiculous.
1: Presumably, though, right? And there's there's historical context for the reverse. That if you had an all black jury and he had shot a black guy, right, that yeah, there major. might be concern of bias. Sure. And we know that's possible because when a black dude doesn't kill a white guy and faces an all white jury, they find him guilty anyway. Just for being a black guy. Yeah. Right? No, I, I,
0: I, <laughs> see, I see the i see the reverse happening. Uh, a lot. It's, it's yeah, a lot more. There's than a lot
1: of historical just, context but, for the reverse. Yeah. So, but in but in this case, with you know, three white shooting victims, a white defendant, um, I, I'm not concerned about not having a minority on the jury, like mm-hmm. the left seems to be. But as long as they're fair right you know if 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 they can set aside their personal biases um and hypothetically right th- or theoretically throughout the jury selection process, they knew nothing about this case prior to <laughs> right right we We brought in the twelve most ignorant motherfuckers we could find who don't pay attention <laughs> to the news at all
0: don't have internet access, don't have internet
1: okay? access weren't able to look out their window to see the fucking riots that were happening in their neighborhood, you know, a few months ago, right? Oh, the, the Kenosha riots. What is that? I don't know who got who's that guy, you know. So maybe maybe there's no bias there, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so you know, and and again, could there be riots? Sure, but it's be, it's because he's already been portrayed so negatively that he may get a fair trial in court. He is already uh, persecuted and guilty in the media, and the media is more so in control of the riotous behaviors of the public than the court, right? Like you mm-hmm. said, the, the media calls for riots, and all of a sudden there's riots. Why? Well, because, you know, they, they've, they've, they've predicted it and manifested it and brought it to be. Uh, ironically enough, that, you know, that extra protest at the Capitol where only FBI agents and, and informants showed up was a weird one because the media yeah. called for that, and then no one showed up Right. right. (laughs) They, they tried, they tried. And the, you know, the, the alt-right people who would have normally gone to, to storm the Capitol decided now we're not falling for that shit again. So they've, they've wised up. So maybe, maybe not, maybe the left doesn't learn. Maybe Antifa will find a reason to riot just because. Right. Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse found, you know, it's like the team that wins and burns down their city in the sporting event. Right, Redhouse finds found guilty, and then everyone goes out to celebrate and burns the city down anyway. Riots anyway. I don't. Know. I don't want to put that out there, but I just did. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a prediction or a spoiler. That is just hy- hyperbole. So yeah, and I guess uh, why is it why is it important? Um, because it, it it drives to the core fundamental right of all human beings to self defense. Right. Right. And, you know, whether or not there is a Second Amendment right or a God-given right or, just, or a natural right to defend yourself, um, the, the, the people in favor of your right to self-defense, this is a, a clear-cut case of the exercise of that right um, and the government and the prosecutors and the media trying to strip away that right. So what happens here may carry forward um, and they're saying like, well, if he, if, if he's found innocent, right. Or not guilty or whatever, then it's going to, it's going to embolden other people, uh, to, to protect themselves. Like, go, oh, good. Like that's the fucking idea, right? You, you should feel emboldened to protect your life, uh, against, you know, against violent, uh, violent encroachment or the attempt to, to take your life or maim or injure or whatever. Right. Like that's, that should, that should already be part of the public consciousness, and somewhere along the line, that was lost. Um, and only the cops are able to defend your your life and their life. And if they're not around, well, then too bad for you kind of a thing. Um, so we'll see. If, 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 if him being innocent emboldens people to to take self-defense into their own hands, um, then I'm for it, personally. And if he's found guilty, right? And they go like, well, I, you know, well, then there's no such thing as self-defense, right? Like, if you can't do what he did on your own and feel, you know, confident that I've protected my life because my life was about to be taken from me. Well then that's when all bets are off, right? That's that's, you know, that's when the the real criminals will then feel emboldened because they know that you may then be hesitant to shoot back um, for fear of the repercussions to you, right? Like there the
0: the big objection, objections from the left. Is that he brought a big scary weapon with him, and and that's pr- probably one of the reasons why he was being attacked anyway. I mean, not just because uh, he was trying to stop the fire, um, yeah, but he was a representation of uh, well what he wanted to be. He wanted to be one of the you know police bootlickers, and they didn't like him for that. So yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the the big scare weapon. Like I remember saying initially that if they're gonna if they're gonna get him on something, it's gonna be something to do with that, because you know he he's not allowed technically not allowed to buy the weapon. Um, I don't know, but I don't remember what the carry thing. I think he was allowed to carry it, um, but one of the, the one of the first people on the witness stand was like the the friend that bought him the rifle, right? And the friend is being prosecuted. Uh, with two felony accounts for that for for buying Kyle the rifle. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah. So the the big scary weapon there was another comment that was made, uh I forget which witness it was, but basically said like he was he was a target because he was a baby face. Right? Like he was <laughs> he, he was uh,
0: maybe. It's more it's more likely that it's because he was a Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, but there was a lot of bootlickers there, right? Like there there were other sure. quote-unquote militia members there with, you know, full kit uh, AR-15s or AR-15 style rifles, right, meandering about. Um, but they found this one younger kid, right, who looked like a baby carrying the big rifle, and they said, like, that's the victim, right? Mm-hmm. That's the guy that we can get the rifle from and that we can make an example out of because he's the least likely to be able to fight back because look at that cute little face of his, right? <laughs>
0: it's, it's possible.
1: He, it's, it was he, the, the claim. This, this, was on the witness stand. I, it's not verbatim, uh, okay. but this was the, this was basically the claim was, you know, he looked like easy prey to them mm-hmm. because of how young he looked, um, sure. and, and, and how he was behaving. Right. He was, he was a little ignorant, um, a little innocent. And that's why they, that's, that's why they targeted him and you know, not the big burly motherfuckers with you know the the full body the the full body armor, I, right? And I was helmet.
0: under the impression that that somehow that he got separated from the other people, and so uh, just being alone would make you a target.
1: Yeah, they had a buddy system. Uh, one of the guys testified that there was like a buddy system, to, you know, just to protect that. In one of the interviews that they played with Kyle, they said like, well, so what are you doing? You know, I'm I'm here to be a medic, and what is his job over there? His job is to protect me, so I'm going in harm's way. And why you do, if you're a medic, why do you need the rifle? They're like, well, that's to protect myself as I'm servicing medical aid. And then, like, what's what about the guys on the roof? He's like, that's Overwatch. They're making sure that we're all safe. You know, and, and communicate to us what's going on down here from up there since they have a better vantage point. Um, but yeah, so they were they were you know they were paired up initially. I don't remember when or why. Uh, like he broke away from the buddy um but the buddy was on the stand like his you know and not his friend buddy but the guy he was that was responsible for watching his back right, right. he was he was a big dude right he was not one of the dudes that you know five foot three joseph rosenbaum would have like you know approached um, <laughs> and tried to pick a fight with because that dude would have like you know just palmed him on the forehead and crushed him uh yeah. to the ground you know yeah which reminds me one of the other things that was brought up initially that they're not allowed to talk about, uh, in the trial about Joseph Rosenbaum. Um, they're, they're allowed to say that he was, uh, recently released from a hospital, which is why he had the hospital bag that he was carrying around that he eventually threw at Kyle. Right. So they can say that, but what they're not allowed to say is that he was released from a mental hospital. Like that's the hospital that he was recently released from. (laughs) and they go like well why didn't he go you know they they're allowed to say he was not uh he was not allowed or not able to stay at his girlfriend's house um you know which is why he was meandering about the city and they go like well but we're, but they're not allowed to say why he was you know not allowed to stay at the girlfriend's house it's cuz she had a restraining order against him <laughs> which he violated by going to her house initially right. and then so like even stuff like that you know Again, to, to tip the scales the other way, like that's, that favors the prosecution. Like you should absolutely be able to say, like, this was a crazy dude running around, you know, in, right after being released from the crazy hospital. Um, and because of that is more likely to do stupid things, like approach a guy with an AR15 and then continue to, to attempt to grab it as it's being raised in his direction as a deterrent right (laughs) like dude i got a gun don't make me don't make me shoot you and he goes like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna try to grab this thing right like (laughs) and again there's no audio of him saying that that is just my interpretation of how things could have gone down in the heat of that moment sure you know and then boom you get shot and like oh okay sounds like you had it coming right seems to me with everything else you know he was instigating shit and like we said before, you know, don't if you don't want none, don't start none. Um, <laughs> and he was starting it everywhere, and finally right. got some. And so, you know, gu- guilty not guilty. I'm staying self. I'm sticking with self defense, and also he deserved it, right? Right. Like I, I've I've shared this before. You know, one of the, one of the things that um, uh, several years ago I was like punched in the face. And I wasn't going to do anything about it until, again, peer pressure from coworkers and friends going, like, yeah, you might as well just, you know, call the cops. So I filed a police report like a week later just to get it on record that, yeah, I got punched in the face, you know. And they they were very clear. Um, like the when the police officer was taking my statement or I was writing my statement, he's like, you have to put in your statement. Uh, at no point in time did I give, you know, the assailant permission to punch me in the face. Like, that was, that had to be in there. Um, I I mean, you laugh, but it goes like, well, okay, so, like, dueling's really fine, because if you just, if you you give give someone permission, then the cops aren't going to care. But you can't run around, right, a protest or a riot telling people to shoot you and then be mad about it that you got shot, right? Because you absolutely (laughs) granted permission at some point, whether it was directly at Kyle Rittenhouse or anybody else you know if you say shoot me and then you get shot right you had that one coming in my opinion right (laughs) whatever the law says i don't really care you know like go ahead (laughs) punch me in the face and then you get punched in the face you kind of had that coming (laughs) there's a video of a cop telling a guy to do that like go ahead like slap me in the face the guy's like, I don't want to slap you in the face because you're going you're gonna to hurt me. You're going to arrest me. I'm like, the cops like, I'm not going to do anything. You just go ahead and slap me in the face. And so the guy does, like, a, just a weak, wimpy ass, like, boop, smack in the face. And the cop, like, buries him. And, you know, <laughs> t- 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 takes him down harshly and arrests him and whatever. The guy's like, you just you told me to, and you said you weren't going to do this. And you're not allowed to assault an officer. You know, so poor guy. But if you, if, you could, if you tell someone to smack you in the face and they do, you can't be fucking mad about it. Okay. All right. That's it. That's day 1 and 2. So, well after I watched day 3, 4 and 5 and however many more days, I'm sure there'll be more updates and maybe 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 after day 3 or 4, uh maybe I'll come around to Tim Pool's position uh that the prosecutor is yeah. throwing the case. But from day 1 and 2, it didn't look like he was throwing it. It looked like he was frustrated that he wasn't able to elicit the conclusions based on his line of questioning that he would like to and that the um, the judge seemed to be playing favorites a little bit, uh, in my opinion, that prevented him from from doing his job as the prosecutor. But, mm-hmm. you know, good for Kyle. Not going to complain. Just if I, if I try to look at it objectively, as you said, um, with a bo- little more neutrality, that's that may be where I came down on that. Cool. All right. Anything else going what on? What else is going on? All right, let's do it. <laughs> Headlines. Uh, I guess a lot of cops cop stuff, Uh, cops mistake innocent pregnant woman for criminal, kidnap her and force her to give birth in shackles Uh, German insurance companies demand perilous playgrounds so that kids can learn about risk Uh, headline, uh, the challenging art of persuasion headline, an Oregon city is limiting how often a church can feed the homeless there's a typo in that how an Oregon living, how often a church, Oh, how often a church feeds the homeless, a uh, headline, stop the steal S T E E L. Biden is replacing Trump's tariffs with import quotas. And finally headline dad calls nine one one to report being stabs, stabbed cops show up and kill him and treat the assailant like the victim. Any of those jump out at you? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Whatever is your favorite. Uh, well, I, I think my actual favorite was the challenging art of persuasion because this is one of those like it doesn't have to be um, doesn't have to be a current event type of thing. Mm. Just some general information. Uh, this is from the Libertarian Institute uh, from a few days ago. Uh, the challenging art of persuasion. Anyone who hopes for a peaceful pro-liberty intellectual revolution is interested in the art of persuasion, but is it a practical art? Can enough people be persuaded to abandon long-held anti-liberty views for something quite different? I'm assuming here that one wishes to persuade people of positions that one really thinks to be right and true. Demagogues may try to sell propositions they don't actually hold, but let's leave them out of the story. Of course, even wrong and bad people can believe what they say and seek to persuade others of those views. But I'm thinking only of the good-faith efforts of people of intellectual integrity... To persuade others to their side, that persuading people of the truth can be difficult, is captured by uh, popular cliches. For example, someone said it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. Uh, that's often attributed to Mark Twain. But Snopes says that the evidence is lacking. This sort of thing is so off is so often the case. Snopes says that Twain did write in his autobiography. How easy it is to make people believe a lie, and how hard it is to undo that work again. That's pretty close. Then there's this one, and it's variations. A lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on. That also is commonly attributed to Twain, but we are told we have reason to doubt it. Jonathan Swift, Thomas Franklin, and others, however, referred to the respective speeds of truth and falsehoods. I guess Abraham Lincoln was right when he said, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Another saying goes, something like this, uh, it isn't what we don't know that hurts, it's what we know that isn't so. Nope, again, not Twain as far as we know, but he and others come, come, came close. It's been attributed to probably a dozen authors. My point isn't about who did or didn't say these things, of course, it's that observers have long understood that dissuading people from erroneous beliefs is no easy task. I've tried long enough. It can be like swimming upstream, which is understandable as well as frustrating. Many thinkers have written about the various biases we all have with other impediments to clear thinking, such as the common logical fallacies. Steven Pinker's Rationality would be the latest book in this genre. Brian Kaplan's The Myth of the Rational Voter also gets into this regarding people's solid uh, biases against international trade and immigration. It seems to me that the big reason for this difficulty in getting others to understand one's contrary position, much less embrace it, is the simple preference for the familiar that so many hold. Whether this has something to do with our descent from people who lived and trusted only small and somewhat isolated groups, I do not know. But I'm sure that an evolutionary explanation is necessary. The appeal of the familiar, the safe, seems obvious enough. As we grow, we develop a worldview and it becomes the default position. It's what we know or know, quote unquote, it's home. Asking that we abandon it for something else is a big deal. It's such a big deal that it's not merely a matter of examining the evidence. One would have to be convinced that examining the evidence is worthwhile. That in itself is a big barrier to surmount. I think many people commonly assume that if a newly encountered idea were true, They would have heard about it before. They haven't heard it, therefore something must be wrong with it. The inclination to doubt the new can readily find subjectively satisfying supporting grounds. The advocate of the news must have cherry-picked the data or left out conflicting theoretical considerations and so on. Confirmation and other biases can be powerful if one is not vigilant. Nothing is easier than resorting to one or excuse me nothing is easier than restoring one's inner equilibrium another barrier to persuading people to embrace freedom fully is that many propositions are counterintuitive they require thought based on at least some knowledge of a special discipline libertarians spend a lot of time trying to teach people that a society unguided by essential authority can be peaceful orderly and efficient unfortunately that's not obvious We grow up learning to plan our day, our lives. We see other people doing it. So how could society as a whole work smoothly and well without a central plan and planner? It's not easy to explain this to people who've never encountered the idea of spontaneous order. Asking them to trust individual freedom and the market can seem like asking them to have blind faith in something alien. This is true about many economic propositions and other esoteric subjects that require training in a particular way of thinking. Fear of the strange is a powerful inducement uh, Yeah, to stick to what you quote-unquote know. On the other hand, some people are eager for the unfamiliar and go out of their way to seek it out. Who can say why in any given case? Maybe they are simply rebelling, or maybe they've spotted intellectual and empirical problems with their original worldview that other people overlook. If you were raised in a communist society and believed what you were indoctrinated to believe— You might eventually notice that the society is no worker's paradise with all the regimentation and deprivation that could lead you to reject your inherited worldview, but not everyone does this. What's clear to A may be far from clear to B. Even siblings who grew up in the same environment, human beings are interesting. Those of us who are trying to persuade people to embrace the non-aggression obligation, that is classical liberalism or libertarianism, may have an advantage though. Most people already believe that they shouldn't rob, hit, or kill, or otherwise aggress against others. So those of us who are merely asking that this already widely accepted principle be applied across the board, even to people calling themselves government, may have an easier job than we thought. On the other hand, freedom can be scary for some people. It obviously requires self-responsibility, which requires effort and brings the possibility of failure. Not everyone relishes that. In Monty Python's Life of Brian, the condemned hero tells the Roman centurion that he doesn't have to follow orders to kill him, to which the uh, centurion responds, I like orders. Who can say which inclination will be stronger in enough people? The best way we can do is start with the familiar, be clear and honest, and that is our only hope. Uh, End of the article. So your thoughts, any new insights on the art of persuasion?
0: Um, no, I'd have to read it again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird thing. Well, talking about people not being able to accept new, new ideas because, well, they haven't heard it before. So you must be wrong. Um, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm different from that because, um, well, I've been lied to so many times and a lot of the lies come from government. So, um, you know, it, it, to me, it seems like when when I was lied to once, then that means, okay, I'm going to change the way I necessarily think in order to not be fooled again. Sure. Um, and a lot of people have a resistance to that. They're just like, you know, of course the government lies. Oh, well, I'm still going to believe 90% of the stuff they say. It's like, what?
1: <laughs> right. Well, in, in this case, maybe uh, since, since you have uh, more of a financial background, there's, like, there's a theory in like stock trading that you're basically too late. Like by the time you get the information, right, the, the aggregate information has already decided, and you're not going to see any benefit in the stock price, right? Like, "Oh my God, I got this hot tip, but everyone else already did. Right. Mm -hmm. And so by the time you put in your money to to take advantage of that, it's too late and you're not going to get it. And you can believe that, um, on the other side of things, right. You can go like, well, I've got this hot tip, right. And everyone else knows that there's not going to be any advantage to it. So they don't take advantage of it. And so you can get in first, right. And then make money off that hot tip. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a natural, um, skepticism, when people hear new information, right? Like you, you can process it objectively, um, and, and critically. Right. But it, it always, it always goes up against like, well, I can't be the first person to have thought of this. Right. Why was it rejected before? You know what I mean? Sure. And then you have to figure out, then you have to see Like, you know, th- this is such a brilliant idea, right? Like any, you know, check the patent office. I got, I got this brilliant idea for a patent. Uh, and you go to the patent office and go like, oh yeah, this was invented like in, you know, the 80s or whatever i don't know um because someone else has already thought of it like every, every good idea and you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants every good idea has already been thought uh thought of by somebody else and who knows right does that but does that mean nothing new can ever come about no you can absolutely be first uh at something but when you hear it for the first time i think in, it's natural to be skeptical of the information because um, you have to think it through right like um for, for example again Um, in the middle of the, uh, the COVID vaccine trials, right? Like I was, I was on free talk live and we were having a discussion about, you know, like the free market in vaccines, um, and the elimination of, uh, intellectual property when it comes to, you know, vaccinations and this sort of like medical thing. Um, and I took the counterpoint and made the claim that, well, we wouldn't have advancements, in vaccine technology, without intellectual property and patents on the vaccine, right? Because once, once you know the Pfizer vaccine hit the market, right? We needed to make so many vaccines for so many people um, that Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and whomever, right, wouldn't have continued their research, right? They would have simply gone with what was uh, now the standard and made enough of that to fill the market, right? Like Pfizer's not going to. Pfizer's not going to be able to produce enough for everybody. Good thing we have these other two manufacturers that can manufacture this one and go forward, right? And I know that there's a counterpoint to that argument, right? I could probably formulate the counterpoint to that argument, um, you know, and say, and, 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 and refute it myself. But upon hearing it the first time, right, like one of the other co-hosts was like, huh, I never considered patents like that I know that it's wrong. I just, I need to think about it more to figure out why. And I went, yeah, I know it's wrong too, but it's, it's, it's the counterpoint out there and take as long as you want to think about it. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not in a rush to have this discussion, um, but it's an argument, right? And it sounds right when you first hear it and then you got to process it and critically think about it to find out where, where I erred um, in my thought process that led me to that conclusion and then mm-hmm. work back from there. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Right, they go like, "Well, it sounds right, but someone probably would have thought of that, so I am just going to dismiss it outright." And that's where we—that's how we end up where we are right now. In this case, Does well, that make sense?
0: The vaccine, the, the the COVID vaccine isn't even a vaccine; it's just mRNA tech.
1: Yeah, understood. And I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I use that not to get into an argument over right. that. I will concede all those points to you, um, but if, if, for my example, it's it's as good a, it's as good a word as any. Um, to, to, to sure. make the that's answer.
0: what everybody refers yeah. to
1: it as yeah. right so I don't care like I'm not I don't You call it whatever you want it is what it is that's the wonderful thing about labels right you know it, a thing is what that thing is and it doesn't matter what you call it and many things there, there are many individual things that have multiple labels for the same thing and we know that because we have so many languages that have a different word for rock right Like, oh, what is that thing? It's a rock. And they call it something else, but we all know what we're referring to. And that's how we translate it. We go like, well, he calls it this and she calls it that and they call it this and we call it a rock. So whatever words, sounds are coming out of their mouth means the same thing. And we'll just translate it that way. Um, and it's my example for that as well. So like, I don't care, I don't care what you call it. We all know what you're talking about. All right. What else is new? Uh, let's see here. Give me a second. Uh, let's d- let's do this one because this one I think is short and fun, um, and it's a weird it's a weird use of government uh, privilege. German insurance companies demand perilous playgrounds so that kids can learn about risk. This is a fantastic progress this is fantastic progress in understanding childhood as the right time for children to learn to recognize and mitigate risks. Germany is adding greater risk to its playgrounds. Some of its climbing structures are now three stories high. And who is requesting this? Insurance companies. They want kids to grow up, quote-unquote, risk competent. Ironically, safety culture is stunting kids' risk-assessing abilities in their estimation. This is fantastic progress in understanding childhood as the right time for children to learn, to recognize, and mitigate risk, says Gever Tully. Tully should know. He's founder of the San Francisco Brightworks School author of 50 Dangerous Things You Should Let Your Children Do. The idea for letting kids develop some basic climbing competency has grown in popularity in Germany. An influential uh, 2004 study had found that children who had improved their motor skills in playgrounds at an early age were less likely to suffer accidents as they got older, according to The Guardian. Moreover, uh, with young people spending an increasing amount of time in their own home, the Umbrella Association of Statutory Accident Insurers in Germany last year called for more playgrounds to teach children to develop risk competency. That's music to an actuary's ears and also to some parents. My friend Siobhan is a New York native who moved to Germany. A few years ago, when her daughter was in elementary school, she says the school replaced the standard playground equipment with four long, thick trees with their branches removed, all interconnected with ropes and wobbly bridges made of rubber. The whole thing was maybe six feet tall at its tallest point, but the trees had been polished, so they were slippery. Sure enough, says Siobhan, Uh, The very first week they were installed, a girl fell off and broke her arm. (laughs) As an American, I nervously anticipated the outrage that would surely follow. My heart was in my throat as I eavesdropped on the other parents' pickup the following day. What did I hear? Children need to learn their limitations. There were no lawsuits or, uh, or calls to tear down the equipment. Even international safety standards organizations, so often the fun police, when it comes to playgrounds, are coming around to the more balanced pro-risk view, says Tim Gill, author of Urban Playgrounds, How Child-Friendly Planning and Design Can Save Cities. While the appetite for risk here in the United States is perhaps a little slower to develop, New York City built its first adventure playground, The Yard, in 2016, complete with hammers, nails, and plenty of wood and saws. It stands by its credo, No Parents Allowed! And as a denizen of play conferences, I can attest that many play scholars are eager for more exciting playgrounds. Unfortunately, that runs smack into our culture's habit of underestimating kids, overestimating danger, and hiring trial lawyers. In 2019, a family that had sued the Howell Township, New Jersey, school district when their daughter fell off the slide and broke her arm won a settlement of $170,000. Their lawyer had argued that the slide's slope was too steep as it was at a 35-degree angle, rather than 30. Perhaps, out of the fear of just that kind of thing, one school district, Richland, Washington, just plain got rid of its swings, arguing that swings have been determined to be the most unsafe of all playground equipment. That's only because of all the merry-go-rounds and seesaws and monkey bars have already been uprooted. Thus, does American children remain, for the most part, a mulch-chip, no-slip, primary-colored plastic safe space or as German insurance execs might put it, a risk-ignorance breeding ground. Uh, So your thoughts on this, MC? Uh, Should children be uh, be allowed to take more risks? Um, And, you know, I guess the demand of perilous playgrounds. I don't know if that's trying to force anyone to do anything. I might hold some objections there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, awesome article. Um, Yeah, I throw this in the bucket of Things that should be obvious, Um, but it's the same same, in the same vein as like you know kids should play in dirt to uh, increase their immune system, um, um, yeah, or be exposed to cold. You know, yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: Go ahead. I was at a Halloween party and like I dropped some food on the ground, like fell off my plate. I fucking picked it down, ate it, picked it up, bent down, picked it up, and ate it. Like, and they're like, "Oh, you don't want to eat that." I got like five second rule, you know, you fucking just hit the ground, <laughs> you know? And they're like, well, we got dogs that run through this place. It's like, you know, dog hair, dog, whatever. I'm like, well, there was obviously no debris on it. Cause if that were the case, I may have reconsidered my decision. Right. It didn't but
0: fall it, in a pile of poo. It didn't fall. <laughs> yeah.
1: It didn't fall in that, you know? So I was fine. They're like, ah, oh, how can you, how can you possibly do that? And you guys have no idea, you know, right. the, the nasty shit that I've put in my mouth. You know yeah. as far as like food is concerned over the years, like I am not bothered by this at all um and a long time ago, like when my when my son was early early age, like one one and a half um or maybe older, I forget when this was um no yeah, when he was like one one and a half he was he would climb on everything in our little studio room at my mom's house, right, and I would like. Monitor the situation, but not quite deter him from doing it. Right, mm-hmm. like when he, you know, he would climb onto the dresser, and then climb onto the onto the TV, and then try to make his way over the TV. And at that point, I, well, I don't really know what's back there, and you know, well, <laughs> I didn't pull him out, but I like I held him in place until he like wiggled back out. Right. Um, excuse me. And at some point, you know, when he was like, you know, a little bit older, he came to visit or whatever, and he was like, you know, climbing trees. I think we're at the beach and he was climbing one of those angled palm trees at the beach. Yeah, How high can you go? Right. (laughs) And I think a lot of times, I guess, I don't know, man, how do I want to phrase this? He might have been pushing against me to see how much he could get away with, with me around. Um, and the answer was as much as you want, right? Like climb as high as you want. If you fall, I'll drive you to the hospital, you know, (laughs) but it's, it's your arm. That's going to break. Um, so yeah, so I let him, you know, I let him do a lot of stuff that he shouldn't, you know, I think, I think my mom put him up to it once it's somewhere around, you know, I forget what age, um, he was like, you know, can I, can I do it? Can I have a shot of whiskey? I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not the one that's going to be drunk after you do that shot and I don't really care. (laughs) Uh, but he backed out of that one. Um, and then changed his mind. Like all of a sudden he didn't want to do it. I'm like, Oh really? Like, you talk a lot of game for someone who's not really going to follow through with what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, so I, I will razz, I will raz people for that. Like if you, if you, if you say you're going to do something or you say you want to do something and then I go like fucking do it and then you back out. Eh, I don't know. Uh, so yeah. So it, it should be obvious. It should be obvious for adults too. Right? Like if you learn it early enough, if you learn it early on enough, you know, then that might change your behavior as an adult. I um, mean, if we tie this back into like, you know, the, the COVID vaccines and all this other stuff, right. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be so scared about life right now if you took more risks as a child and learned to survive shit, right? Like if you had the measles as a child and like, well, I'll survive that. Right. Cause uh, apparently it wasn't so bad back in the day. And then all of a sudden it was like the, the most terror thing possible. Everything's right? terrible now. Everything's terrible <laughs> now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, but it, it's, I, I see it as difficult for parents now because they might only have one child and that's typical now. Okay. Um, and so they're more likely to be extra worried instead of, like, if you if you had, um uh, five or six children, like,
1: and you <laughs> lost one, no big deal. At all.
0: <laughs> like, I'm not saying no big deal, but <laughs> you'd be like, uh, le- a lot less worried. You just, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, no, I get that. Well,
0: and and a lot of it is too experience, you know, when you get your first kids, it's like uh I, you know, what do I do? How do, how does this work? And then by the fifth one, it's just like no big deal. Right? Yeah, they, that is that is a, that is a trope up, as well. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that you know, that that could have been me with the first one if I was around a little bit longer, but I think I I I tried to be as hands-off as reasonable to me at mm-hmm. the time. Um yeah. but what I, you know, that that whole um that whole risk assessment thing is just so important right like that that's the trope is you know like ah, uh, you know if you have more, you don't really worry about it um but like they gotta people just have to be able to like do things and find out their results right like test you know test it out you know you, you survived it you know like the measles right i i I have had chicken pox as a kid, and I was like, okay, like this sucks you know for a little while. <laughs> Um, and I think one of the greatest things about, uh, human resilience is how quickly you forget about it, right? Like, I don't remember what the chicken pox were like. And so I'm more likely to take risky behaviors now because I don't remember, right? Right. Like, you know, when I, when I got, I got hit by a car in 2016 and I still suffer a little bit from that. So there's still a little bit of stuff there. Um, but when, you know, I, I got hit by a car while on a moped and my moped was totaled And I'm in the hospital laid up with a broken leg. And, you know, this is like, you know, the day after I got hit and my mom comes to visit and she goes, "Ah, what are you going to do now? And my answer was like, shit, I got to get a new moped. (laughs) And she was not happy with that answer, right? Like, how, what do you mean? How could you ever ride that thing again? You just got hit by a car. I was like, well, Yeah. But that's, that's how I get to and from places. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't turn my whole life upside down, you know, just, just for this one little thing. Um, and at some point, through the recovery process, like, I don't remember the pain of what it felt like to have my leg broken, right? Like, that, that has vanished from my mind. And so I'm more likely to take risky behaviors because if it happens again, well, number one, I know it was painful, but I also know it wasn't that painful for very long and I recovered from it, and I'm, you know, okay-ish now, right? Like it, it's not, I don't have a lot of pain. I still have a little bit of weakness. Um, so there's still, like, a slight memory of how bad this could be. Um, but I'm okay now, right? Like, I, I, I made it through it. No big deal. It sucked for a little bit, and I don't remember. Like, I was, I was out of work for two months, right? And so it was a miserable two months, but it was only two months, you know? That... That, w- that was fast in retrospect, in hindsight, <laughs> right? I could do that again, take two months off, I you know, take, for the settlement money alone, to throw back into crypto now, Fuck, yeah, go ahead, break it. I don't care.
0: There was a, a funny video, uh, well, to me, funny. It's about risk, but there's these two kids, looked like, Maybe, like, I don't know, six or seven years old and maybe a couple years younger. So the younger kid was still, like, basically crawling. So they're at the top of this, like, 12-story building. And there's two two apartments uh, right next to each other, but it's separated by by a gap. And these kids are jumping across. You know, it's 12-story straight <laughs> down. yeah. It is, it is, so the older kid was jumping across, and he, he's jumping back and forth, and he's taking his time each time to do it. And the younger kid is still, like, on his hands and knees, uh, you know, watching his uh, presumably older brother or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> watching him look back and forth at, at this and, and going, nope, not, not doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, smart if you don't have, like, the leg strength to jump across. That was that was a good example of this story, right? The kid was presented with a risky situation, assessed it for himself, and in our opinion, I guess, made the right decision to not, you know, that was an unacceptable risk for him. Right. But if you put me like 30, you know, 100 stories up and, you know, tell me to jump across this two-foot gap, right, I'm probably going to jump that gap, right? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I can make that jump, right? If you extend that out to like five feet or six feet, right, I may go like, nope not making that jump. That is way too goddamn far for me.
0: You'd have to make some practice jumps first to make sure you can jump that far. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: reminds me of a joke. A guy, you know, walks into a bar and like, if you, you know, if you drink 10 beers or whatever, you get them for free. Uh, and then he, he leaves and comes back and he goes like, well, and drinks 10 beers, he gets one for free. And they're like, why'd you leave and come back? He's like, oh, I went to the other bar down the street to see if I could do it first <laughs> or something to that effect. All right. Final thoughts. Uh, no Thanks. All right, that'll do it for us, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. Once again, we do this show on Clubhouse, so find us there at the club. Uh, the club is The Anarchist Experience, and if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash experience. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Peace.